Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. You're listening to the Celtic Soul podcast with me, Andrew Millen. And as always, you're very welcome to the show. It's episode 12 already. My guest on the show today will be former Celtic striker Frank McAvenny. This episode has been kindly sponsored by the Rue Glen Country Club Hotel Waterford. I'd like to say thank you very much to John and his staff for the continued support of the fans in over many years. And the fixtures are finally out. Celtic will kick off the season by raising the champions flag behind closed doors before taking on Hamilton at Celtic Park. It's an unusual kick-off time. 4.30pm, no doubt to accommodate TV. Looking at the August fixtures as a whole, we only get one 3pm kickoff at traditional time, which a lot of us still enjoy on a Saturday afternoon. That will be at home to Aberdeen, which will be a tough old game. The Dons will kick off their season almost 24 hours before us when they take on the Rangers in Pataudry. No pressure, Johnny Hayes, but we need you to do us a favour, kick off that weekend in style. October the 17th is penciled in for the first visit of Rangers to Celtic Park. Odette Rangers or Sefco or the Tribute Act, whatever you want to call them. That game may be on the 18th because of TV. We'll wait and see. But hopefully, and I really mean hopefully, we can get into the stadium to watch that one. Get behind the boys, take three points and put us on the road to 10. We've also got a couple of Friday night games to look forward to. And again, hopefully we can be in the stadium and on the road on a supporters bus up to Perth for the St. Johnson game in October and then over to Motherwell in November. There will be no trip to Dubai in January for the players this year as the winter break has been scrapped for this season anyway. Our last home fixture before the split will be the weekend of the 20th, 21st of March when the Rangers are back in paradise. That's after we visit them on the 2nd of January for the traditional New Year's game. For the first time in years when the fixtures were released, I haven't spent the day booking flights, maxing out the credit card and hotels and car parks. It's always a pleasure to get back to Glasgow and hopefully we can start planning our trips sooner rather than later. And here's how I got on earlier on when I chatted to Frankie Boy. Frank McAvenny will be forever remembered for being part of he played in the centenary season when he would help Celtic to a double. I first met Mac in Canada at the Windsor Celtic Supporters Festival a number of years ago with William McStay and an unknown comedian, Kevin Bridges. I wonder what ever happened to him. And since then, I've had the pleasure of interviewing Maka on stage and for the fans in on a number of occasions. Hello, Maka. You're very welcome to the Celtic Soul podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much. It's, uh, it's great to be on here, son. It's great to see you again. How has lockdown been for you? Yeah, it's been all right. I've stayed off a drink, believe it or not. I, I, I decided that I would stay off a drink um, when it went into lockdown, but I didn't think it was going to be this long. So um, I'm struggling a wee bit, but no, nah, it's all right. I put a lot of weight on. Because I'm eating an awful lot. I didn't realise you could eat that much. So, and I've never watched TV so much in all my life, Andrew, to be honest with you, but it's it's all right. It's coming out it now, so we're getting there. 
I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. And I'm back in the golf course, which is the main thing. Oh, brilliant. You'll be back out with big John Hansen then soon. Yeah, I'm playing him this week. Playing him at, uh, me and him's got a, a double bar, a, a match with some guy. I don't know if it's four, if it's four or just the three of us. But uh, yeah, playing on Thursday. So it'll be good to see the big man. I've not seen him for a, a couple of months. You'll be looking forward to that then, yeah? Yes. He's a good lad, you know him. He's a good, John's a good lad. So yeah, he's a uh, good fun. Did the fixes come out today, Maka? Did you have a chance to look at them? I just I've not had the chance. No, the first game home to Hamilton. That's a good three points straight for the start. And put, put the youngsters out. <laughs> it's a good one. It'll be, it'll be a good one because that other mobs will be up to Aberdeen. That's brilliant. I love that. And you know, <laughs> Johnny Hayes might do us a favour. Yeah, that'd be great. I mean, that's a good. That's a good game for them because uh, they'll get beaten that one. You think so? No, they've not bought anyone that's making me scared for next season, Andrew. No, so you're happy enough with the way it is at the moment? Yeah, well, the papers are doing the usual thing, aren't they? Eddie's signing for Crystal Palace. I'm like, what? He's better than that. He's, he's a lot better than Crystal Palace. If he wanted to go to Crystal Palace, I'd rather, if he had to move just for the money. But we don't, I don't think Celtic need the money now, do they? Especially with, with 10 coming up. It's too big of a season. Look, look, I'm sure if a club came in with ridiculous figures, he would, yeah. he would go, but hopefully they won't. And as you say, Crystal Palace, like, you know... Yeah. I'm going to go to a team like that. I would rather go to West Ham if that was the case. But he's not going. To, he's, he's bigger than that. I think I think he's a bigger player. You know, I, I thought Dembele was going to go to Man United. Um, but they've just unearthed this young boy, haven't they? Greenwood. So um, God knows where they got him from. But uh, yeah, 18-year-old and he's five balls in two games. Not bad. Not bad yeah. for a kid. <laughs> Especially... Players coming through at such these big clubs, it's hard for young people to break through. Like obviously, obviously Eddie was like when he came in, he was on the bench, and Belly was obviously in ahead of him. Griff, but he came off. The, I remember when he came off the bench in Ibrox, he was outstanding, and you could yeah. see his physical strength. Like as a striker, Maka, how how has he impressed you? He's impressed me. I think I think as you're going to make a statement, a bold statement. I think he could go, he could go and 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 actually be a better player than Dembele. I think he could be. Um, I think he's got everything. He's got pace. He's got a physical strength, and he, you know, and he, and he holds people off. And he's great touch, left or right. So yeah, he's he's a, a player that I enjoy. And it, I think, I mean, maybe it's just me, old fashioned, but I like when they play two up front. And I mean, I, I just think the big bully, God rest them. He used to say, you know, we just go for if they score two, we'll score four, and all that kind of stuff. You know, that was that was how we played, and it was great to watch. I suppose for the fans, but. I like when Eddie's playing with Griff because Griff likes to sit on the shoulder of the last man and, and Eddie comes short. He can go long. He can he can do causes up umpteen problems, which is which is great to watch. Obviously, I look at strikers and um I'm very impressed with the boy, you know. And and I think Lenny will give both of them a chance, I think. With the son with Mo and the uh and obviously Mikey Johnson's there, I think we'll see him go one up top in some games with you know, one of them of behind, and then he'll he'll he will he'll definitely go with two up top in some of the games because it was just so it worked so well when yeah. he came back from Dubai. Well, I, you know what, Ellen Nussi was missed. I think they, they try to play Mickey and Johnson in different positions, and I think the boy's still trying too hard. I think he's he's not releasing it when he should be, and he's, I think he's trying too hard. You know, because he played a couple of games, I didn't lose confidence in he could get played up front on his own at Ibrox. He wasn't getting any service, and he's not—he's no Eddie. He's not a big boy. So when the ball goes to Eddie, he holds it. Unfortunately, Mickey's not no no there yet. But you know, great for the future. But I think Elanusi will play left. Definitely play left. And even if it's a four or, or a five, I think he's—he's he's a great signing. I really yeah. do. I think he's a player. And a good bit of business as well. He's, he's coming in alone, and then you know you can have a look and see: is he—is he injury prone? Is he going to get injured again? Yeah, of course. You know, I think it's I think it's a good bit of business for the club, and I, I think it's a good bit of business. I'm, I'm disappointed in Fraser um, not coming up, as he's not going to get a game down now. And I I see um, just recently Lennon saying that it is it's in Fraser's court. Southampton are willing to do business. Well, I, I think listen, I, I don't get it. If he goes to a big, you know, a middle of the table down in the Premiership, fine. You know, it, it, I think he's a good keeper. You know, but. Um, it, it could create a wee bit of history, you know, and just I think that the boys want to sort of sell out because he's older. I think he wants to go somewhere rather than on loan. 
And I can understand it, but the money they're getting nowadays, Andrew, I, I don't I don't get it, but the money he's made during the game, you know, so it was all right for us wanting to get that signing on fee. I think they need that nowadays, do they? The money they're getting, I think they should be set for life. So I understand it's his last move, but I, I just think that what's on offer at Celtic, you know, and it's not about money, because what's on offer at Celtic this year could just sign his fate for, for forever be there, you know, get a foot in the wall and all that kind of stuff, so it'll be good. Yeah, it's funny, when I, when I had John on the podcast, they were the two players he spoke about. He said it was very important that Eddie didn't move, and it was yeah. very important that Fraser Foster was signed. And I think Muse know yeah. the game inside out, and like it doesn't change. And I think it's the same with the fans. But again, I can't see the club in held a ransom. Yeah. I, I don't know. They were talking about Joe Hart, but you know what? I thought he was a great keeper. But when he went to West Ham, he was hopeless. And he went to Burnley, he was hopeless. And I don't know if it's... Maybe a change if, if he was to come up. Because he's got that in him to be a great keeper. He's got the saves in him. He's got the bottle. And he can... You know, he's, he's not as good at feet. As uh, and that was why he left Man City because he wasn't as good, you know, starting the, the attacks. But I think Lenny wants that. He wants to keep it a, a goalkeeper. I, yeah. I think he's balling about a centre half, is he? I think he wants him to just launch it when it's when he can, or play it when he can. So I think it would come up being at venues. But if he was to come, I wouldn't mind him because he, he's definitely an international player as a goalkeeper. But he just needs somebody to get that out of him again because it's there. And um, if Fraser didn't sign, I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be too, too unhappy if Hart came up because he's not been playing well. Didn't do it West Ham, as I say, but I think coming up and, and just walking into the size of Celtic, the sheer size of the club, and then give him a couple of days to take it all in, then I think it'll just give him, you know, that spark to, to uh, rise again. I mean, he walk runs out of sixty thousand fans. You know, if, you, if that can bring the best out, yeah, I don't know what can. You know, you, you look at when Craig Gordon came up, Maka. Like, you know, it was a player that was injury prone. I think he came yeah. up on a play as you, he probably came up on a pay as you play contract. I'm not sure what it was, but it certainly wasn't a big contract. And he goes on to have three brilliant seasons at the club. Yeah. He was one of the invincibles. So, like, the quality is there with Hart. I, I, I don't know if it's paper talk or, or, if, or if he is actually speaking to the club, but I'm sure with Fraser Foster, there's also a plan B and a plan C. Yeah. Well, I get, I get, I get told there was two centre halves coming in as well. Whether that's true, I, I don't know. I would like to see another centre half anyway. That's for sure. Coming in, with, um, one of them's left, and it's I mean, Ovich's left. Yes, he's left gone. And yeah. um, so I'd like to see somebody coming. I'd like to see a big centre half. I'd like to see the boys are all right at centre half, but you know they get a wee, a wee knock like Julian or Raya. Then you know, then you've got the big boy at right back. Can't remember his name. I'm going to try and pronounce it, but. The boy that was... Uh, El Hamid. Yeah, El Hamid, that's the one. He can play centre-half because he's a big lad. Yeah, but again, so, he's in his injury problems as well. Oh, he's got an injury problem, so they've got the boyfriend from there. So, listen, he's up and down the park. But I like the boy, I like El Hamid. I liked him as a player. He's a, he's a throwback, he's a defender first rather than just going forward. Um, he knows how to defend. And, you know, when I, when I played in, up, to, up to recently, defending was an art and... Uh, a lot of teams try and forget that now. <laughs> they just want to go forward all the time and, and playing. I, I think even the referees, when you put a tackle in, I'm thinking, what a great tackle, and they're, they're giving fills right now. And, you know, and I think tackling, being a centre-half, can't be easy playing against forwards. So you've got to get your foot in, haven't you? So yeah. I would like to see one more coming in because I and Julian, you know, the, no matter how good they are, you know, I don't know if they've... Coming up against, they find it difficult coming up against Dykes when they're playing him at Livingston. Maybe the plastic, Angie, I don't know, they don't, they don't like the plastic, maybe, because he gave him a roast a lot of time, didn't he? Um, yeah, but Livingston, Livingston hats after them. Like, there was so it's not just it's not just Dykes. I think Livingston, uh, I've been a couple of times to, to Livingston and uh, you just don't expect to see them. They, they bullied the midfield, they bullied the, the you know, the, the centre-halves. And I'm thinking, Lenny wouldn't like that because we all know what, what Neil's game is. You know, he likes to get in about it when he was playing. So, he, and there's no way he's not telling him all week what to expect. And then to go out and... So, I think that's a shock to the system when you go, <laughs> you go somewhere like Livingston, big plastic pitch. But listen, as I said, for everyone, you've got, to, you've got to be prepared for that and get in there. So, 
I think this year, you know, Julian and I will be ready for that. Hopefully they've toughened up and, and they'll be ready for that and they can stand their ground against big centre forwards. You know, that I thought they'd done better against Aberdeen and the boy Cosgrove. Maybe because Cosgrove, he's not as mobile as, as Dykes, but I think he's a big physical boy up front, you know. I used to laugh at John and say, what would, you, what would John Hartson be like playing against our boys? That's why, you know, I try and judge it by that because big John can, is a handful. Oh, yeah. And that's, that's, that's what you want to do. You want to play against the best so you can judge. And and I, and I do like the two boys. And I'd like to see them toughen up a wee bit. And when you were playing, you spoke about, like, when the fixers came out. Did you look, was it, like, take it as a game-to-game basis, or did you look down the line and say, right, when yeah. are we playing Rangers? Yes, where? That was the first one, where and when? You knew that. When I played, it was, it was I mean, listen, you know, back in the centenary team, you put them on paper, the team Rangers had was incredible. And I know that they had all this money coming in for, for different places, but just for, as a player to play against these kind of players was great. It brought the best out of me. And I love playing against them, but, you know, we went to Ibox, we knew we beat them there. You know, there was one point I get sent off 14 minutes. That was my first game at Ibrox. The second one, we beat them 2-1, Pomox, they scored. And, I thought, and that, that day we realised we were going to win the league. That was the day we realised that we were. You know, there was a couple of big results for us. Going to Aberdeen and beating them up there and beating things at Ibrox in, I think it was March. That was when we realised. I think Chris Morris got married on the Sunday of the road. <laughs> so... Silly boy, but anyway, <laughs> it was a good party. <laughs> but it was it was a good party after beating Rangers on the Saturday, so it was very good. Ah, oh, brilliant. Now, this time of the year, I was pre-season, Mike, and I spoke to John, Paul, Scott McDonald. They hated pre-season because they loved the summer off. They loved a couple yeah. of points. But John had said it's different now because the players come back so fit now with European yeah. football so early. Like you like you like the good night out. It must have been hard after the summer coming back, was it? Well, listen, the way I looked at it, when you go back, you listen, it doesn't matter how fit you are. It's going to be grueling and it's going to be hard. So I used to go away for a month and, and come back. And I know I had to get myself into shape. And that was that was fine. But it was, um, you know, you get punished. But nowadays they don't do that. Andrew. They don't run any any distance now. I don't, I don't get it. How they, how they can open up. I don't see why they don't. See, like, you know, the boy Roger, they were, he couldn't last a game and they were taking him off after an hour and I'm saying, why don't they get him to Strathclyde Park and open his lungs up and give the boy a chance, you know? Paddy McCourt was another one, you know? I'm thinking, why don't they do a, try different training if it's if the modern one's not working? You know? I just think there was nothing better for us. I hated it. But there was nothing better for us going to Strathclyde Park and opening our lungs and getting out and, you know, I think it was, you know, it bored as well for the uh, for the season. I know you liked the night out and you enjoyed yeah. it. No. But you <laughs> took playing seriously and, you know, because yeah. you wouldn't have played at the level you did, Maka. Um, You know, you played in the top flight in England and you mm-hmm. finished toward. Oh, could have won the league that year. As we mentioned earlier, a double with Celtic in a very competitive league with a big spend in Rangers. You also represented Scotland under Alex Ferguson, who doesn't take much shite. You were Scottish Player of the Year in 1982 while cutting your teeth at St Mirren where one Tommy Bones used to wind you up. Aye, that certainly did. I used to play in midfield and, uh, and I played in the, you know, uh, it was, I was playing the right, the left this time because Billy Stark was playing the right and for some reason Tommy was over against me and Tommy, all right, Mark, and he was great. God rest him. He was, you know, Celtic are looking at you and saying, what? Celtic are watching you today. This is it, and going, going up, and every time we were on attack, going, and I was, <laughs> I'd be running up attack, and he went, he went to come with me. But Packy would get the ball and fling it out to him, and he'd set the attack off, and I was getting dogs abuse of my, of my coaching stuff. <laughs> he used to just have me wound up with fever pitch. Go on, go and do something. I'm, I was like a wee boy, <laughs> calling him Mister Burns. <laughs> <laughs> what a guy! It was great, and just that that laugh. It's infectious, you know the laugh. He's got so <laughs> it was brilliant. God rest him. No, and, and I know like the tabloids played on your on your off the field antics and that, but yeah, like, we, we spoke before. But you took a see, you took your football series. Yeah. I mean, listen, you speak to any player. I'm, I'm the only player, I'm the only player apparently. I'm mean, against Book of Records. I'm the only player that's played for three clubs twice, and no one else has done that. As a lot, as a lot of players went to two clubs, 
Um, signed twice for two clubs, but not three. So um, obviously I couldn't have been that bad. But this, the thing was, I liked to party. I did, but in the right times, you know. And and if I wasn't ready for the game, my teammates would. It's not like today, you know, like nobody says anything. My teammates wouldn't have Mick McCarthy, Roy Aitken, Tommy Burns. They would not have let me off there if I if I didn't give one hundred and ten percent. So. My antics during the week or the weekends after, you know, they, they forgive forgive me for all that because I would run more than anyone in a game, you know. And Andy Walker will tell you, I, I, you know, he, he loved because he didn't have to move. I would do all the running. So as Andy says, I'd beat three players and give it to him and he would score, you know, so he got, he got a lot of goals. He got the bonus. <laughs> that was a bonus, yeah. So he wasn't, he wasn't worried about it. So, yeah, it was one of them. I've heard all the stories, Andrew. I mean, we, we've spoken about it. I'd like to have done half the things I'm supposed to have done. <laughs> like at one stage, I thought your manager was Peter Stringfellow, your agent, or something. Oh, it in the what, paper that much. I know he was. He was going to open one in, in Scotland, and he says I was to get it. I was going to. I was running it for him. <laughs> um, ah, listen, Peter was all right. He taught me a few things, you know. Peter used to walk about with a champagne glass, and it was just water that was in it. You know, first and foremost, he was a businessman. Don't get me wrong, I had a few drinks with him, proper drinks, but um, yeah, he was a businessman, made a lot of money. Now, talking about proper managers, back to the football, because I don't want to, I, I don't want to know any more about Jenny Blight. Um, <laughs> you, can, you can tell me when, when we're not on yeah. record. Um, now, Neil Lennon has the respect of the current crop of players, there's no doubt about yeah. that, as did Brendan, right? But he has a leader in his captain, now, you, yeah. Scott Brown, you had massive respect for two managers in particular, John Loyal, you played for twice. And Benny yeah. McNeil, John Lloyd, of course, was your manager at West Ham. You played with some great players. You named a few of them there. How important, when you have a manager like this, how important is the captain to him? And how important is Scott Brown to Neil Lennon? It's very important. I mean, someone, someone asked me in one of these Zooms last week. Somebody said to me, you know, what would the Centurion team do against the team today? I said, I think it would be a good, a good game, you know, because to sum it up, you're talking about captains. We had, we had 10 captains out player. We had 11 captains on the pitch. I says, we had, for outfield players, we had 10 Scott Browns, if you know what I mean. We could get our foot in and we could get the boys running about us to play. Everyone else were like that. And um, that's what Billy got in the team. Um, he signed me and he signed me a couple of signings. It, it was proper, it was good Celtic support. So he, he got that extra 10%, which was good enough to go and, and do that. I, I think, I don't see this, I don't see the cap- where the captain's going to go. I know that McGregor's been captain and like, he's not the kind of boy, he's no Scott. I think Scott's the glue that, that brings that whole team together. He, he, you know, I can see um, Sham, you know, I, I, I thought he was going to be Scott's replacement. You know, and I can see, I think Scott likes playing with him in the midfield because every time Sham's playing, Scott seems to score. So he, he gives him the freedom to go forward. Whereas if he's playing with Christie and McGregor, Wonderful players as they are, they don't contribute to too much defending. If you know what I mean, they're they're great going forward. Um, but a Sham can sit in and let Scott go, and that's where he's got his goals recently. You know, he texts me and says, "Everyone thinks I'm a forward now." <laughs> <laughs> I don't think so. Ah, brilliant. I mean, he's listen. Everyone keeps writing them off, and, and he keeps showing them. Um, it would be wonderful for him and and Forrest to get to have. What a statement for them. You know, I, people were saying to me when I, when I congratulated Scott because he's matched my gaffer. You know, my gaffer was Bill McNeil and he'd done the nine with, with the lines and all that. So I know football's changed, but Scott deserved a bit of credit because he's, he's been there and he's the captain and he's, he's matched my gaffer. So that's why I, I said congratulations to Scott for being there. With no disrespect to James Forrest, but, you know, Scott's a man and, and James has come in and, to be fair, uh, Brendan got, got the best out of Forrest and he's, he's kicked on again because I thought he was leaving and I think everyone else did and then Brendan came in and kicked him on and and he's, he's a wonderful player that we've got and he, he's made that wide right his own which is which is great that's good he's a, he's a captain but I don't know who else is going to take over from him Andrea. I mean I don't know you could give I, I, I'm not so happy about giving I don't know about Julian I, uh, I, I don't know McGregor got it at one point, but I don't think he's strong enough, is he, to get the captaincy? Um, I know Paul McStay wasn't strong, and 
he led by example. He'd done it, and, you know, he would just get his sleeves rolled up and, and go and put a shift in or, or make a tackle and do something, you know, to, to get everyone going again. Um, so maybe Cam could do that. Uh, but, yeah, I, I just think that there's going to be a big miss when Scott finally hangs his, hangs his boots up. But I think, I think he'll be the next coach at Celtic. I think he's... I think he's he's him and Lenny could be a great double act, you know. I think I know John Kennedy's there with the boy striking now, but you know what? I, I think Lenny. I don't know if he can talk to these boys, you know. Some of the problems. Lenny's a, he's a you know he's a ginger-haired Irishman. I mean, he's he's, he's got a, he blows his fuse a few times. So and I don't know if John that can sit in the room when he blows his. Tr- Sometimes when. Lenny shouts and balls at a player, you need somebody to go in and put their arm around somebody and say, look, the gaffer's right. And, do you know what I mean? You need yeah. that go be. I don't know if John can do that. Wonderful coach that he is. Um, I don't know if he's got that in his locker to go in and say, look, the gaffer's right, but come on, just get your, get your chin up and you know, and take it take it and go out there and show them. You know what I mean? It's just, I think, he, I think you need somebody to do that in the dressing room. I think, that's, I think Lenny's missing that at the moment. And obviously you've been in that dressing room. There was huge pressure that season, the centenary season, as there was in the team to stop the, the nine in a row. This probably season now is the biggest since then with pressure was. Yes. Well, listen, if you listen, if you can't handle it, you shouldn't be playing for Celtic. We knew, I knew when I signed what the season was, what we were going into. Um, I knew as soon as he got knocked out of the League Cup, he came and signed me, Big Billy. So, you know, if he'd have done that a week earlier, we may have won the treble that year, but... <laughs> Oh my goodness! <laughs> <laughs> no, <we> get... <laughs> um, no, listen, he, he he done what he done, and I heard that he fought to get me, which is great because it's great to feel that you're playing with pressure. As a Celtic supporter, I knew the pressure. The fans desperate for us. I think there's only four teams won the league in the centenary year in world football, so four or five teams. I don't know uh, what well, used to be. I don't know, but now, but. Um, so and it was Barcelona and all that kind of stuff, the big guns, you know. So Celtic's in good company again. Um, but this season, the boys have, you know, it's immortality. We will Tommy Bond said to me, we will always be remembered for the centenary year. The boys in this season will be forever mentioned, you know, as one of the greatest teams because, you know, next to the the Lisbon Lions, I would I would imagine, because of the pressure they're going into. The fans think they just turn up and go, but there's a lot of pressure. And, you know, I think the boys have. I think they're set up for it. I think that, you know, I think they'll go. They'll go again this year. I, I, I don't see, as I said at the beginning, I didn't. I don't see any signings that's going to scare me as a supporter. Boys, I think I think Celtic will make a couple of signings. I definitely do. And, and but it'll be signings to improve the team. But will not be squad players. I think we've got enough squad players. We don't need squad players. We need boys that can walk in. Um, we don't need one. For, we don't need. This is too important a year. We don't need, um, you know, one for the future. No more projects for the moment. No, we've got, we've got enough for the future. So we need somebody that's going to help the team this year. That's what we need. You mentioned signings there. Now, you you can maybe throw some light on this. Both Rangers and Arsenal were said to be interested in yourself, okay? And you told you allegedly turned both of them clubs down. Yeah. Your emotional connections with both West Ham yeah. and Celtic. Mm-hmm. Is that true that both come in for you? Yeah. Well, not at the same time. It was, um, I was going to World Cup with, with Graham, Graham Sooners, and he asked me when he was, he told me he was just about to take over. And, and that's why, you know, there was a lot of politics. That's why Fergie dropped him. Because at the time, Fergie didn't get him, had, had, didn't have the Man United job at that time. And he wanted the Rangers job. And of course, with Graham buying Rangers with Murray, he was going to be the manager. So Fergie being Fergie dropped him in one of the games, didn't he? And Graham told me, I was sharing the room with him, he told me he was going to drop him and I couldn't believe him. How somebody could be so petty because he was the best, one of the best players we had. You know, I know Paul was getting primed to take over from him. But I think the two of them could have easily played in the midfield together for the last couple of years um, that's, that's how highly I rated Paul, but he did drop. He dropped him in the one game that you would want Graham Sinners in your team against a team like Uruguay. And he asked me because I shared the room with him because Kenny wasn't there. Um, and he asked me if I would sign. I said no. And um, and then he made he made an offer. It was one day. He told me 
no money, they didn't have any money. And I says, give me a million pound. But you know me, Andrew, it was just, I'm not a politician. Um, I knew I had three weeks to stay in a room and I didn't want to be so uncomfortable. But it was one of them. And then he made an approach to West Ham and John L said to me, and I says, tell me, the answer's still no. So it was, and then he saying Judas. Yeah, so, I mean, it wouldn't have been as bad for me because I wasn't, I was at Celtic when they, when they offered me. So I would have been going from West Ham, which, although he says, he says it, I understood what he wanted. He says it had to be me, Charlie Nicholas, or, or Mo Johnson because it, it had to be a high profile Catholic. So that was because he wanted to try and break down that, that barrier. That worked, didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> you, you mentioned Judas there, or, or Mo Johnson, as he's known as. Um, Okay, you know, Mo went for money. There's no doubt about that, right? But were you surprised or shocked? Um, it, it sort of a t- it glimpsed something. Listen, it was half a million pound of difference. Um, the, the biggest problem with the fans, if he hadn't got his photo took with the Celtic strip on it, you know, it may not have been, it may not have been as bad. It's still have been bad because the fans loved him at Celtic. No doubt about it. But um, it wouldn't have been as bad. Um, it was the fact that he got he got his photo took one day. Now that's that's down to Celtic as well. They shouldn't have done that. They shouldn't have paraded him because that afternoon, Gameson has come in with half a million pound more. Um, it's a lot of money. Um, I wouldn't have, you know, it didn't matter to me the money, but more was more was money orientated, and I thought, you know, I, I suppose in his own way, once he signed for Rangers, he knew he had to stay in America. So, or he had to be, he'll, he'll not be able to stay anywhere here in this country, I don't think, because, you know, the fans don't forget. And, uh, and it's a shame, you know, because it's, it's a football game, you know. I think it, what he'd done was, was wrong. But he's got to live with that. It's, it's, you know, it's his, it's his problem now. Sorry, Michael, when you look in the, in the dressing room that you played at, like, and you look around, yeah. you know, Tommy Bones, Paul McStay, yourself, now, many others had come from, you know, a Celtic, traditional Celtic background, you know. Yeah. Like, there must have been some amount of eyes raised in that dressing room when he did finally sign. Like, there must be, the conversation must have been basically, what the fuck? The boys got me. I think the boys got me. I think what you've got to do is just concentrate on yourself. You've got to concentrate on your own team. Um, you know, it's one of them. And, uh, you know, big, big Mick, Roy, you know, I wouldn't have liked it, but you know what Roy's like. He's a big, big boy. I'll let him know in the park what he felt about it. <laughs> but Roy's a, he's a gentleman off it. So but the boys just got on with it. I, I had nothing. They, they were, you know, they were looking forward to um, to Mo come back, apparently. <laughs> a few sneaky kicks. Oh, of course they would. Of course they would. Have. But, you know, I've seen a couple of games after it and, uh, you know, some of the boys were leaving their foot in and you just... Judas was giving it that <laughs> Judas, I love Um He was giving it all that smile, so he's got a big cheesy grin. So yeah, it was one of them. I think I'd have given my kick myself. I was playing. Now here, I'm going to stay with your career, and maybe, maybe a, a big, massive turning point in your career when you were down at West Ham the second time. Chris Kamara broke your leg. Well documented. Someone has said, or you have said in the past, he denies it. Did he stand over you when you were when you were lying on the ground and call you? Yeah. Bastard. Yeah, everyone thinks it was because of the um, because of the, the tackle that I was shouting at him when I was getting stressed off. It wasn't. And, and I know Chris, and he obviously didn't realise how bad I was hurt. You know, and he was saying, get up, you Scottish, see, this is a man's game. And that's what annoyed me because my leg was snapped in two. And I'm thinking nobody would have said that if he'd have seen my leg because it was a, there was a cover on it. It was just, it was, it was that bad. So, listen, it is what it is. I was shouting at him because of that. It wasn't because of the tackle. I don't think... I think he tried to put me out that game. I don't I don't think anyone tries to put anyone out of the game. I wouldn't... Especially Chris, you know. He tried to put me out of the game because I was obviously marked by their, by their team, you know, as keeping me quiet, you know. And no, no dimension, Chris, because he's the one... We want him on the park, you know, because he'd have gave us it. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, I, I know, I know. I've got a problem with him <laughs> Do you think that was you were never going to reach the heights again then when no, you came back? Listen, I came back and I've got to be honest with you, I was maybe 85, 85%, 80%, 85%. You know, I, I put myself through it. I, I was out for it. It wouldn't have been as bad if, if uh, an ex-manager of mine never took me in a, 
a road run. The first day of training took me on a four-mile road run. After I broke my leg, broke my ankle, and snapped my ligaments. And Christmas Day, Lou McCarry took me on a four-mile road run, and uh, my leg just swollen up again. And, and I, I'll never forgive him for it, you know, because it was it was just spiteful. He's not he's not a manager. He's what a wonderful player he was, but he's not a manager. He was hopeless as a manager. He was. I had him at West Ham and Celtic, and, you know, and. I wouldn't wish. I wouldn't wish his management still on anyone. Yeah, well, it is documented that um, Luke McCarry's time at Celtic wasn't exactly um, a success. Yeah, he was never there. He was always at racing, and oh, he was hopeless. He was hopeless. But, um, but we, we got him. We all, we all got him. You know, said to the board and all that down in West Ham. We tried to get him sacked down there, so it's a grievance against me. But it was, it was a nightmare. It tied for me when I got when I broke my leg. We were playing Stoke. And instead of getting us to London, I was in. The, I went to the accident emergency in Stoke. My leg was snapped all over the place. The guy said to me, "Your career's finished. You'll never walk straight again." And of course, you know me. I, I says, "Who the f are you?" <laughs> I says, "I said so." Ray Stewart was with me. I says, "Phone the phone the physio." And I got the team boss to come and pick me up. I said, "If my career's finished, I want somebody in London to tell me because they were the top boys." So they took me to the, the hospital that associated with one of teams in London and uh, Rodings Hospital. But, Two o'clock in the morning, a surgeon came in and I told him, and he says, Oh, he said, I'll sort it out for you. And I says, Well, play football again. He says, Yeah, of course you will. Now, if I'd have stayed in Stoke, which McCarry wanted me to do, um, you know, I would have been, because it's only an accident, the emergency, they'd have put me in and it would have been some Joe Blog that had fixed my leg and I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have been right. Whereas, you know, you, you get what you pay for, I suppose. So, you know, but I was, I was raging because McCarry was, they was interested in me as a person. As a guy wanted to leave me, my people, family were in Glasgow, in London, and uh, he wanted me to stay in Stoke. I mean, I wouldn't stay in Stoke. I wouldn't even go there for a night out. Know what I mean, know what I mean, why stay there for a, a week in the hospital? So can can I rewind a bit, Michael? So was Liam Brady that signed you his second time for Celtic? Yes, yes. You must be fucking delighted when when Lou McCarry was coming back up the road. <laughs> Well, when I, I was, at, I, mean, I couldn't believe it when I was there. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't believe it because I knew. But, you know, I'm going to tell you something. Um, I can't remember his name. Who was the, the assistant manager? Frank Connor was taking the team in between them. We were playing Rangers at Ibrox on Saturday. McCarrick came in. And Frank was taking us for the week before it. And uh, I think we played Falkirk. Me and Charlie Nick were playing. All right. We were having a laugh. Anyway. Frank got everyone set up for the game on Saturday. I couldn't play, I was injured. He got everyone set up and he was brilliant at it, tactically and everything. McCarry came in. Obviously, he thought we were going to get battered with Rangers. And he came in, he's leaving it to Frank. Frank's going to help take over on Sunday after the game. And we beat him 2 1 at Ibrooks. McCarry took the press conference. Can you believe that? <laughs> Can you believe that? That's the kind of guy he was. So. And I know, of course, I've called him out now, haven't I? <laughs> Indeed, you have. Oh, yeah. I feel sorry for Frank. I mean, he'd he done everything right, you know? And uh, and it was one of them. Yeah, I, I chatted to Paul Bone on the podcast a couple of weeks ago, and Paul Paul was very complimentary of Frank. Of oh, Frank Connor, yeah. It, it's, it's, um, well, even Paul, I mean, when he was there, there was a couple of people that owned horses and they were very heavy up in Glasgow and all that, and they were in the office and... And McCarry was trying to get Paul to sign a contract, you know, and I went in and told him to get out and told McCarry he's a disgrace, disgrace to football and all that. I said, that young boy, you've got, you're trying to bully him into a contract. So, um, so I'd done that for Paul, but I was just, I, I'd have done it for anyone because I didn't like McCarry. I just wanted him to say something to me. So definitely not your favourite manager, not the but, best manager you played on though. Not even a manager, I wouldn't even call him that. I, I, I would, I said, he said, Honestly, he's an embarrassment of football. He's, what a player he was. And he, he's, his coaching method was you get the ball at the byline, you kick it as high as you can, and you've got one bounce to catch it before the halfway line. That's his, that's his training. He was hopeless. People can't see you, Michael, but I can see you during this interview. They won't be able to see you. And I can see how upset you're getting. So I'll move on. And I won't, yeah, even, men- I won't even mention Alex Ferguson. No. Oh, he was a, he was the same, but... Every, do you know what it was when we went to the World Cup with Fergie? The press, you know what he's like with the press. So the press took me and Charlie Nick. Um, now, anyone who knows anything about football, myself and Charlie Nick were probably 
if you if you manufactured two players to play together, it would be me and Charlie. We were sort of made to play with each other. Charlie wanted to bring his feet. I'll do it. I'll do the running. And uh, so the press took me and Charlie away. <laughs> and she says, this is the two boys that's going to shoot us to the the next stage of the World Cup and all that. And Fergie says, press don't pick my team. And that's that's what it was. So um, I get to blame it and I get, I get dropped out, <laughs> probably because I went out a couple of times. But to be fair, we had such a good time going to the World Cup. I forgot I forgot what I was what I was doing, you know. <laughs> we had that many nights out on route to the World Cup, but I forgot what I was there for. It was okay. But we go there and I was I was I wasn't happy. You know me. You know me now, Andrew. When I get told that I wasn't playing the first game and he was playing Paul Stark. Now I had scored twenty-eight goals in the premiership that year. And he said he Fergie said to me, which he saw my face, I was raging. And he said, what's the matter with you? I said, Paul Sturrock's not scored 28 goals in his career. <laughs> 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 never mind, never mind in, in a season. So it didn't, I thought the boys bust out laughing. And um, I didn't mean to disrespect Paul. It was just, I was just annoyed because, you know, I should have been playing before Paul, that's for sure. Yeah, Maga, there was like, back to, I'll nip back to the club here. Um, probably first time around a Celtic, you, you know, you lived every young Celtic fan's dream, you know, yeah. lifting cups, scoring goals. Second time you come back, then the clubs, in a, you know, the clubs appear to be taking over. Um, there's the manager, the, the manager's not to your liking. There's the rebuilding then that happens when Fergs McCann comes in. To, you know, from, from basically playing second best or third best to being the top dog now for nine years. No one could have foreseen in the 90s when, when Fergs McCann came in. You know, Celtic, I mean, listen, we all know Celtic. And I'm still a supporter, but I shouldn't have left. To be honest with you, I should have left, you know, the situation. You know, it didn't give me... Once we'd won the league, I was basically told I was to get my money. That was due. So it was a hard time. And it was the old board. It had nothing to do with the new board. I, I spoke to Peter about it. <laughs> you know, Peter Lovelone. I'm saying it's so much respect for the, the way it's run now. You know, and Peter, people give Peter a hard time, but it's run great. There's money in the bank. And, you know, I think it's done... He's done he's done ever so well. But um, in the days... Just never got, I just never get the money. So, and it's, it's, what we should have done is build on. We should have built on what we, we just won the double. We should have built on that. You know, instead of getting rid of players, we should have brought better players in. That was a strange one, you know. It was, it was strange when I went back, some of the players were still there, but it was Liam Brady was a manager, but I wasn't fit. And he got, he brought me in to, to play him. He says, Can you, strikers were on to this. He says, Can you, Give me an hour tonight. And I said, yeah, okay. No worries. It was absolutely teaming down at Airdrie in the cup. And it absolutely soaking it was. Me and Tommy Coyne up front. and uh, But we're sitting before the game. Andrew, I thought we were playing Real Madrid. The way Liam uh, was going through the team, their team. And I'm, I'm looking at Paul McStay and Roy and I'm going, what? You know, I just couldn't believe that he was doing all his tactics for Airdrie. And I thought, well, this is the future of the game. You know, I'm, and I stood up and says, it's effing Airdrie. I said, just go and beat him. <laughs> and that got sort of, I closed the meeting down. <laughs> <laughs> but the boys knew what I, what I was saying. I mean, we don't have to worry about Airdrie. It doesn't matter what kind of team you put out. You need John Collins and all that in the team. You know, we had a good team. We just need structure. And uh, and it was, it was you know, we went out, we won 1-0. We won but it, it was the game shouldn't have been played, to be honest with you. It was, it was teaming it down. But uh, that was it. That was it. Welcome to the, the, the future of, of football then, all these tactics. And, you know, Big Bully used to have all these tactics as well. But we didn't call them that. The, 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 when I was at West Ham, we used to play, chap, you know, um, lead from the front, you know, high press and all that they call it. Now, we've done that down at West Ham. We've done it at Celtic, you know, and playing with a five in the back, throwing the midfield up. But you've got your players that can do that at three centre-halves. We had Rogie and Chris Morris who could bomb forward at any time of the day. They love getting forward and they can also get back and defend. And yeah, you've got to have the players that can fit into that system. You know, I, I think a lot of managers now just try and get players to play in that position, whereas they, they can't really, you know, you know, a couple of things that Lenny's done, put McGregor at left back. I mean, <laughs> I mean, that's talk about taking a player out of his comfort zone. I think Brendan Rodgers done it as well. Aye, I know. I, I listen. He's not. He's not. He's a wonderful midfield player. 
Um, I know players can do play. Johnny Hayes can play a lot of places, and he's better at cup left back than what McGregor is because you're taking poor Callum. He didn't know what to do. He didn't know when to run out or when to stay, and he's never played there before. So, um, but there, there's players that you can play and put people in there. We couldn't have put anyone else, you know. Anton Rogan was magnificent at left back, and Chris Morris, you know, he he used to bomb down by um, me, Joe, Joe Milan. Rogan used to run by Tommy, and, and if, if he get caught out, Tommy would sit left back, uh, or Joe would go into right back, and I'd go into midfield. We worked as a team. They don't do that nowadays. I don't think Andrew. They just everyone's oh, everyone's for themselves, you know. You speak there, Michael, about you know that team. You've just so many good memories of it, and. Aye, oh, no the problem. names, every Celtic fan knows all the names. If you could go back in time, Maka, you know, would the cup final be the highlight? Oh, yeah, no, probably, probably that was a highlight because it was, it was a big, a big thing with Thatcher coming up and all that. And, and it was, oh, it was a beautiful, it was one of the nicest days. Too hot for football, you know, we should have been. Lying in a beer garden with a pint, that's what we should have been in that kind of weather. But it was it was brilliant. And I've never seen so many fans out, out with so many colours. It was just an incredible day. So, yeah, that but I, I liked my second game against Rangers where I scored the two against them because um, my first game, Big Bully, the last thing he said to me was, don't get involved. And um, 14 minutes later, sent off. Charles went inside the riot, breach of the peace. <laughs> Don't get much better than that, does it? He couldn't even beat us in court that year, Andrew. It was brilliant. And, and here, Maga, just when when you when you hit that goal, uh, the first one of the two against against Rangers, you know, like you, you know your family's watching, you know your mates are watching, you, you know, you know your teammates. Yeah. For a boy that grew up supporting Celtic, that hits the back of the net. It's just is that just yeah. it? This is I, I've made it now. You know, if I die tomorrow, that's it. I'm happy. Yeah, happy. That we won him. It was a game, it was a game, it was massive. It was the first time we all shook each other's hand and all that. It was the first time it happened in football because of what happened at Ibrox. And uh, and it was embarrassing because we nearly wanted to shake hands, you know, we all shake hands after it. Nobody wants to shake hands before a game, it's a bit of nonsense. And, uh, and as I say, I've never focused so much in one game. I really, I was up for it. I was really up for it. I was psyched up. There was no, there was no carry on before it. It was just, I was, I was. I've never, probably never focused so much in a game than what I did that game. So it was, it was great to score, and then to score against the other, the conductor, Roberts was them. Because <laughs> I mean, we got, we got, we got the centre halves. I can't remember who was injured, but Lex Bailey came in. So there was Lexi. So we, were, you know, Lexi came in, and what Lex Bailey came in at centre half. And what a job he done. He was brilliant, and he, he put a knee into Chris Woods's rib. <laughs> and he had to go off so the conductor had the Graham Roberts had to go in and then when I scored the header it was um, I, I don't even think Chris would have got that you know to the header so it was, it was so far up in the corner so and even now I'm going to say this but when, as soon as I scored the second goal the whole place erupted with happy birthday Celtic and it was just incredible to think you know and something to do with that it was good and you know what Mark I'm going to leave the conversation here Um it, it's been an absolute pleasure to chat about the current team and about some of your own memories and hopefully we'll get you back on again. But hopefully before hopefully before then we can get a few beers in Glasgow. Oh, mate. The beer gardens are open, so when are you coming up to start your thing again, do you know? And, we don't know. And just as soon as, as, at the moment, we can't travel out of the country. Well, we can, but we have to go into isolation and come back. So, But I reckon that's going to Is that different. right? Do you have to do that over there, do you? I reckon it's going to be lifted within the next couple of weeks. There's going to be an air bridge to certain countries that we can travel to. And uh, mm-hmm. if that happens, Maka, when I sell like a playing home or away, I'll be over. I'll be over. I'll be brilliant. Look <laughs> forward to catching a beer with you, big man. Yeah, it's always a pleasure, Maka. Listen, thanks very much and keep walking that dog. <laughs> Take care, buddy. Cheers, pal. See you later, mate. Thanks once again to Maka for taking the time out to chat to me. His book, Scoring an Expert Guide, is an excellent read and I highly recommend it. It's all about his life on and off the pitch, which is more than colourful. Thanks once again to everyone who visited our website, CelticFanzine.com. Thanks to everyone who bought subscriptions for the fanzine for the upcoming season. We are moving platforms for the digital edition. Anyone who has subscribed will continue to get the digital copy 
until the current subs finishes and then you'll be able to switch platforms. Thanks also to everyone who bought one of our t-shirts. The new original Glasgow Celtic hoodie is our latest addition to the online shop where we're adding new stock and designs each week. Your support means we can continue to create free content and free live events as we move closer to returning to a new kind of normality and getting back to Glasgow. The podcast is available on all platforms, Apple, Acast, Spotify, so please subscribe and follow us so you never miss an episode. And also please follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, where we're running a couple of little competitions and you get into a chance to win a t-shirt or some badges or some tickets for upcoming games when we get back into the stadiums. Thanks again to our sponsor, the Rue Glen Country Club. If your business or Celtic Supporters Club would like to support us or sponsor an episode, please get in contact. You can email us at info at celticfanzine.com. Special thanks once again to our producer, Ronan McQuillan, and to you, the listeners. Thanks for all the comments. Keep them coming in, and don't forget to let us know your story or who you would like us to get in the podcast. A big shout-out to anyone who's given us a review. We really appreciate it. I see plenty of the pubs and beer gardens are back open now in Glasgow, and we are all looking forward to getting back to do some live shows and sinking a few points in our favourite watering holes. We'll be back on Friday with episode 13, where my guest will be Matt McGlone, editor of the Alternative View Celtic Fanzine and the founder of the Cells for Change group. So I'm really looking forward to chatting with Matt and catching up. Keep the faith and stay safe, and soon we will be back watching the Celtic, and then hopefully we'll get the nod. Not sure if it'll be full crowds or half crowds, but hopefully we'll get the nod to return to paradise. Enjoy our week and listen in on Friday. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to Quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.